Welcome to Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia. This podcast is a collection of messages designed to help you grow in our three anchors of real devotional life, real community, and real responsibility. We hope that you enjoy this message and that it encourages you in your spiritual growth. Good morning, Chi Alpha Tears. I just made that up. Um, it's a joy to be back in Northeast Chi Alpha, where we got our start at Georgetown University. Anybody? Call you Saxa. All right. Uh, my wife, Deb, if you'd stand, she's here with me. And we have Tom and Brooke Harshberger, missionaries to Ireland. And Rigo and Abigail Herrera. Newly appointed missionaries to España, and so glad that we can be together representing Europe. Just want to throw a picture up of my own family, if we can. This is my wonderful family at my son's graduation, who he's Luke, he's now in D.C., study, he studied political science, and now he's working in D.C. My middle child, in order, no, that's my wife in the middle, uh, <laughs> my middle child, Ruth, she's studying civil engineering here in Pennsylvania. And my youngest is a health studies uh, freshman in Chicago, Illinois. And if anything, this message is for them. Sorry, new empty nester. I'm here this morning to communicate two things. I'm here to highlight the need of the least reached peoples of the world. In particular, the secular peoples of Europe. That's why I'm here today. I don't know what you came for, but you're going to hear about that. But I'm here more centrally to place before us the words of Jesus from Mark 8, 35. Lose yourself. Would you stand with me just for a moment in honor of reading God's word? Mark 8, 34 and 35. Then he, Jesus, called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Heavenly Father, prepare our hearts to accept your word. Silence any voices but your own, so that we may hear your word and do it through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. There's no text in Scripture more convicting to preach on than this one. I often avoid it. The unequivocal, absolute, and relentless call to follow Jesus costs us everything. And as a teacher of God's word, every time I come to this text, I sense my own inadequacy. And yet... At the same time, there is no scripture more thrilling to preach on. 
For in losing ourselves, we have everything to gain. In losing ourselves, we are found. And yet, the idea of losing holds no appeal for us, does it? I mean, you never want to um, um, lose your train of thought. Thank you. Josh, that was for you. You never want to lose your grip, lose your cool, lose your way, lose your mind. And God forbid that I ever lose my mojo. Because nothing good seems to come out of losing. But losing is the key to following Jesus. You know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record these words of Jesus. And yet the gospel of Mark is unique. And he says that we must lose ourselves for the sake of Jesus and his gospel. See, Mark is making it very clear that the call to follow Jesus includes embracing his gospel agenda. If we're to be good bearers, gospel bearers to the world, if we're going to see the gospel flourish among the least reached peoples, those without access to the gospel, we must lose ourselves for Jesus and for his gospel. So what does that mean for you and me? Number one, we need to lose our assumptions about missions. We must lose the assumption that it's someone else's responsibility. Every disciple, every generation of disciples must fulfill the Great Commission. And we can't assume because we feel inadequate or we're too busy or we feel unqualified or maybe there's other people who have that calling that it's not our responsibility. The question for each follower of Jesus is not should I participate in the Great Commission, it's how should I participate in the Great Commission. What's my role in it? To fulfill the Great Commission, to see God's agenda that all peoples would know him, we have to lose our assumptions about missions. Perhaps you follow a missions organization on Twitter. Does anybody use Twitter? You guys don't use Twitter, do you? Instagram, whatever, Snap, whatever it is. I don't know what you all use. What is it? Instagram, is that still a thing? MySpace.com if you need to follow our ministry. But if you've ever followed a missions organization or been in a missions conference, you know we love to highlight the photos of exotic faces and places in the world. But then there's always that one photo, that one banner, it's often hidden in the back, and there's a picture of somebody who looks like he goes to your church. That's the Europe poster. It doesn't get retweeted it doesn't get shared on Instagram because it doesn't have the emotional force of those exotic or tragic images. They often don't get shared in our promotional materials. It's because we have a missions bias. Too often we equate gospel access with exoticness or poverty, but they have little to do with gospel access. We have a strong idea that missions has to look a certain way and it must look like a National Geographic shoot. And we built these assumptions in about missions, and that's a big deal if you're working in Europe, because they don't look like that. But it's about gospel access, not poverty, 
not exoticness. Several years ago, I was speaking with a Spanish friend of ours, and I was talking to her about the living hope we have in Jesus Christ, and she said something that I cannot shake, and I mention every time I speak. She said this to me, why hasn't anyone ever told us this before? And that moment became sacred for me. This was a Spanish, educated woman from a well-off family. And yet she articulated the cry of the peoples of Europe. Why hasn't anyone ever told us this before? I had already been called. I was already sent. I was already living in Spain. But to hear that secular person state so clearly the reality of gospel inequality in our world. It crystallized something in my heart, the absolute necessity that we, the people of God, go to the peoples and places that are gospel deserts, and they may not look like we thought. There are peoples and places on this planet where one can live an entire life and never meet somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who can tell them about Jesus. Where the number of believers is so small or non-existent that the majority of the their people living there will never meet somebody who's a worshiper of Christ. Gospel desperates, gospel deserts desperate for living water. And you may not know this, but for most Europeans, that is the reality. Only 1% of Spanish people say they know Jesus personally. 1.3% of Belgians, only 0.7%, 0.7 of Czechs and Greeks, where so much of Paul's letters were written to, 0.3% say they know Jesus personally. Europe and so many other parts of the world are filled with people who will not hear the beautiful and compelling message of Jesus without people like you to take up their gospel responsibility. So are you going to respond to exotic photos or are you going to respond to gospel realities? Will you embrace God's vision for people with God's, without gospel access? You got to shake up your assumptions. We are not the most needy people in the world. That changes things. The second thing we need to lose is our reputation. In the words of this generation's greatest poet, Taylor Swift, big reputation, big reputation. Oh, you and me, we got big reputations. Shout out to my daughters. In a world where everything is image, where cancel culture rages, where every posted photo is curated to manage one's reputation, our public persona is precious to us. We want to be perceived as relevant, cool, woke, whatever your word might be. In today's world, our reputation is the path to authenticity. I have a confession to make. When a church invites us to a missions convention and says that we should wear our traditional national clothes, 
I get a weird knot in my stomach because I know what's going to happen when I show up. They're going to be so disappointed because I'm going to be wearing my skinny jeans and black sweater. I'll look like Blake. Looking French today, my friend. And you know I'm going to be disappointed because of all the other great costumes. And I love those celebrations, but they're going to be disappointed in me because I won't look very interesting. I mean, you just, you, you just hear it. Well, that guy didn't try. Really? That all you got? There's no flair there at all? I mean, skinny jeans, really? He can't pull them off and he's not a worship pastor. I don't, and I don't like disappointing people. I hate it. Oh, where are you missionary to? Because <laughs> I want to preserve, preserve my reputation as a good, real missionary. And it bothers me that I might not live up to someone's expectations of what a, a missionary is supposed to look like and where they're supposed to go. But I have to ask myself, whose approval do I need? In, in our modern world, in, outside the church world, nothing ruins your reputation more than telling people you're a missionary. Sent to proclaim the uniqueness of Jesus. To say that in the secular world is anathema. To articulate that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life is the quickest way to end your reputation as a reasonable, intelligent, and significant person. And if you're honest, if we're all honest, we feel that pressure. We can't deny it's sometimes easier to avoid the issue of gospel proclamation even on our own campuses. It's easier to highlight the acceptable parts of our faith, our charitable activity, our lovely, healthy communities, our fun stuff. In this environment, it's sometimes tempting to wonder, do everyone really need Jesus? Losing yourself, your reputation, is hard when we consider what our unsaved friends and family might think if we tell them we want to give a year or become a missionary. Because the loss of your reputation with those who you love is often the thing that holds us back. Serving among European secular peoples is the joy of our lives. It really is. We love it. But being a missionary among Europe's secular peoples is a death blow to your reputation and your self-perception. A truly missional life among secular peoples anywhere is difficult if you're looking for accolades or for quick growth, or being marked as the successful one. A few years ago, we had a young Chi Alpha young lady from University of Virginia. Wow, I know there's more of you than that, yeah. Her name was Grace, that's not her real name, but that's what I'm going to say. And her family was opposed to her giving a year, uh, because she was bound for medical school after all. But she allowed God to change her own plans, and she joined us in Spain. She began meeting with a young lady I'll call Maria. And they began meeting for a couple of months when Grace brought her to our ministry center, which I think you'll see a picture of. Our ministry center is called Raices, which means roots. And Maria was checking out some of the books on our shelves, and she realized we were real Christians. And she turned to Grace and she asked, are you one of those practicing Christians? Grace said, yes. Then Maria said, if I had known that earlier, I would have never become your friend. Yeah. 
Yeah. Maria had made a rule in her life never to be a friend with someone who was a religious person because for her it was the height of bigotry, machismo, stupidity, and irrelevance. When you live and work in secular gospel deserts where people are not interested in hearing about Jesus, when the very attempt at God conversation is considered absolutely irrelevant and foolish, when no one cares about God's existence either way, No one talks about spiritual things. They cannot imagine what kind of person would continue to insist on all this faith stuff. That, in that context, reputation is not something you can hold on to tightly. If we're holding on to our need for our reputations, our self-perception, we will never fulfill God's call to see the hard places, the least reached peoples of the world reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus is looking for a generation who don't need to be seen as important, influential, or special, who don't need the most followers on their Instagram account. Jesus is looking for young women and men who don't need to be the hero or protagonist of their own life. Jesus is looking for people who identify with him and his mission. So I ask you, will you let go of your reputation? Thirdly, we must lose our own agendas. You know, the European and secular American context are alike in at least one sense. Our t-shirts tell us how to live our lives. I don't know if you have a photo of that. We get these in Europe. (laughs) There's a constant barrage of messages that say, encourage us on the project self or project me. You do you, your best life. Believe in yourself, Disney has told us forever. Follow your heart. And here's the reality. The self is our golden calf. If we're honest, we have our Christian versions of these same things. Dream big dreams. For God. I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ. We live in a world where we're all leaders. Everyone has their own ministry, their own brand, their own website, thegallions.net. Thanks, Ashley. But to lose yourself is to set aside Project Me. Is to set aside your own agenda. You see, if we're going to see the idolatry of secularism, the idolatry of self broken, we cannot bow at its altar. If we're going to lead people out of Egypt, we must get Egypt out of us. Reaching the peoples of secular Europe or reaching that unreached, unchurched student in your dorm, it's not really a matter of tools and technique. It's about proclaiming, yes, and embodying and being a radical alternative to Project Me. If we're merely living by our own agendas and blessing it with some God's words, we have nothing to offer a lost and dying world. They already know how to do that. 
when we lose our own agenda, when we place our plans, our own vision of life under the lordship of Jesus, when we lay our goals for the perfect house, perfect job, perfect community under the light of the Holy Spirit, when we say he must increase and I must decrease, when we cry out, not my will, but yours be done, then and only then our lives take on significance far beyond anything that we could create on our own. So I'm asking you, who's writing the agenda of your life? Is it you or Jesus? Maybe you've never stopped and even thought, God, what is your plan? I'm not just talking about, you know, what job you should, I'm talking about the agenda of every moment, every week, every day. God, why am I here in this place, in this moment, this time? Do your will in me today. At the end of this section of the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 10, is the story of the religious, wealthy, prominent man who said he wanted to follow Jesus, but Jesus asked him to give up all his wealth. He did not want to lose the thing that gave him security. And so the text says he walked away sorrowful. Then Jesus said to his disciples who had gathered that it was easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it was for the rich to enter heaven. When Jesus said that, the disciples were actually astonished and wary because in the time of Jesus, the rich were considered the favored ones of God. So the disciples said, if this rich guy can't get into heaven, oh no, what does that say about us? And they were wondering and, and worried, and the disciples were thinking, you know, oh no, what's going to happen? Who then can be saved is the question they asked. And at this moment, that bold, brash Peter blurts out what they all had been wondering. Jesus? We've given up everything to follow you. We're not sure if Peter's asking a question or merely hoping out loud. <laughs> Have we done the right thing? And Jesus gives us an amazing answer. In chapter 10, reading in verse 29, it says this. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Jesus knows the question behind Peter's words. It's the question we all have when we're considering losing ourselves. Is it worth it? Can my life have fulfillment if I don't set the agenda? Will I miss out on joy and peace and purpose if I don't cross off my bucket list? If I lose myself, am I going to be alone? The real question has been, can I trust Jesus with my life? And this is the amazing answer that Jesus gives. I promise you, 
I promise you, the one who died for us says this, I promise you, you will not regret it. If you lose yourself for me and for my gospel, forsaking everything, money, wealth, reputation, agendas, you will get 100 times more beyond your expectations. That is his promise, and it starts now and will last for eternity. Is it worth it to lose yourself? Jesus says, I give you my word. You will never regret losing anything. So I ask you, what is keeping you from losing yourself for Jesus and his mission? What's making you feel secure? A relationship? Your education, your plans, your parents' money? Just being in a Christian community and you're so afraid to ever leave it? What makes you secure? Is it Jesus? But he's asking us to lose everything. But he promises everything. When we lose ourselves for Jesus and his gospel, we're lost in the greatest adventure ever. Jesus says to each one of us today, there's no greater joy, no greater peace, no greater purpose than losing yourself for his sake in the gospel. I believe that God is calling people in this room today to the challenge of facing secular Europeans. I know it. God's calling people here to go to the other places on our planet where people have no access to the gospel. But what an adventure it is. What an adventure. Isn't that what you long for, is that your life matters? Who knows what God can do if we lose ourselves for God and his gospel? I told you about Grace and her friend Maria, who did not want to be friends with Christians. Grace had set aside medical school just to give a year, and she befriended young Maria, who despised Christians. Well, Grace ministered to her for a year, and she went home. But she wasn't the last give a year we've ever had, and others came behind. Our long-term staff stepped in, and Grace, though she was gone, continued to contact her, her as well. In just two months ago, that began five years ago, by the way. Two months ago, Maria was talking to one of our team members, and she said this, yes, yes, yes. I'm all in with Jesus. She says, I know now that the universe can't love me, but Jesus can. See, the young lady and she's got a long journey ahead of her, <laughs> who wouldn't be a friend of Christians, has been captive to the love of Jesus because someone lost themselves. Because multiple people lost themselves. All because a giver said, yes, Jesus, you are worth it. If you want to experience real life, lose yourself in a God-sized adventures. St. Francis said this, Give up your small ambitions. Come with me 
and preach the gospel. You know what? Losing yourself means we gain Jesus himself. You know, we all say, oh, I want to be in the presence of Jesus. I want to be with Jesus. You want to be with him, go where he goes. He's with those who have never heard because that's his passion. If you want to, that's why he says, if anyone loses himself for, for my sake and my gospel, because where is Jesus? He's out there among those who have never heard. Join him there and you will find him there. A God-shaped adventure, not a personal bucket list. Jesus is a far greater and more satisfying than your self-created world. Blake and Ashley, if you want to come up. As I was preparing these thoughts, the original part of this sermon, I couldn't help reflect on the own adventure God had taken my wife and I on. At the time I began typing this, I was sitting in the office, sharing an office with a young Spanish man I will call Javi. We met Javi when he was just 10 years old, that's almost 13 years ago, because he was a classmate with my son. In many ways, Javi was a typical Spanish young man. His parents were divorced. His father, long gone by the time we met him, was a very hard man, verbally and emotionally abusive, and made a major impact, of course, on Javier. He told Javi that anyone who believed in God was a fool. We became friends with him and his mother. And over many years, hikes, video games, birthdays. We were able to baptize him at age 18. And today as I speak, he is our first Spanish Chi Alpha intern. the same day we baptized Javier, we baptized his mother. She was the one who said, why has anyone ever told us this before? What an adventure. Who knows what God can do in and through you if you're willing to lose yourself. Lose your assumptions about missions. Lose your reputation. Lose your agenda. One of our Chi Alpha mentors said this. We can't save our lives no matter what we do anyway. It's impossible. Life slips through our fingers hour by hour. The only way to save our lives is to lose ourselves in God's bigger, eternal kingdom. Now is the time to lose yourself. Every moment we waste holding on to things is wasted. Your time, your money, your future, your comfort. Jesus is calling you and me to the greatest adventure the world has ever seen. To lose ourselves for the sake of Jesus and his gospel. Would you close your eyes with me? We don't have a lot of time, but I want us to make an altar in our hearts. What's keeping you from losing it all for Jesus?
Jesus will not disappoint you. Give it all. For some of you, that means a step in in growing in intercession for the lost, for all of us, really. For all of us, it means learning to sacrifice finances for the sake of global mission. You need to start giving now. For some of you, give a year is is the, the particular obedience. Lose it all. Don't worry. God will take care of you. For some of you, it just means the step of obedience is simply you need to walk across the hall and start that conversation that you've been afraid to begin. For some of you, the voice of Jesus is asking you, my role for you in this mission is to give your life among the least reached peoples of the world. Lord Jesus, give us the faith to believe that in losing everything, we gain you, we gain everything. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's make this song, this chorus, the consecration of our decision. Yes, Lord, this morning we surrender to you, Lord. Lord, may we may we lose ourselves to gain everything in you. Lord, today, may we lose our agenda for yours. May we lose our reputation for you. You are so worthy, Lord. You are so worthy of it all. And so, God, I pray that today we would continue to process um, throughout the next few hours, Lord, of what you are calling us in the next step to do. So God, I pray that you would be with us. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia podcast. For more information, you can visit our website, xaatuva.com.